0: And welcome back to the 2017 deep geeks Christmas special I'm mark
1: I'm Avery hello um, we didn't say our names in the last episode I just not? remembered yeah because I did the intro and that threw us off whoops yeah. <laughs> oh well um well now you know yeah welcome to part two Glad congratulations your acquaintance yeah congratulations for making it this far you are one of the five listeners who are going <laughs> to bother with part two so consider yourselves lucky
0: Oof, right, to so. I wish we hadn't bothered most <laughs> yeah. of part two. Yeah. So. Uh, we are still talking about uh, Deke Christmas Blast. This is. The Deke Animated Christmas sorry, Blast. Sorry, the Deke Animated Christmas Blast. Which is a
1: two disc set of uh, five Christmas specials that Deke have produced. And part two, we're covering disc two, uh, which has the last two cartoons. So, two's all around. Um. The majority of this disc is taken up by the one-hour-long special T'was the Night Before Bumpy, which is a special of Bumpin' the Night, Um, and then a 24-minute short called Jingle Bell Rock, which is quite possibly the best thing we have ever seen come out from Deke in a long while. And we'll get onto that in a moment. Yes,
0: yes. Uh, But first, a quick recap. Last time we looked at Sonic Christmas Blast, which we thought was okay... Um, Santa What a mess! Santa What mess! Which was charming.
1: It's very charming. Very cartoon. charming. Really adorable.
0: And and
1: then a Hollywood Town Christmas, which was probably the most problematic thing I have ever seen in my entire life.
0: Despite being made for a company to sell despite being made by toys. a person of
1: color for people of color, yeah. the entire thing was possibly the most insensitive, like culturally insensitive thing we have ever seen.
0: There were some. Mistakes. It made. is
1: absolutely disgusting. It's kind of shocking that, God, when was this DVD released? Even like 2010 or something.
0: I have no idea when this DVD was released. the point. It is a, uh, it is a cheaply put together shout factory. Uh, yeah,
1: it doesn't say anywhere when what year this came out.
0: All I know is they don't sell it anymore, and I assume Deke had to most still likely be, because uh, of rights. Well, I would assume Deke had to still be a um, a thing, a thing for them. To... Well,
1: technically, they are in the form of DHX Media.
0: Yes, but DHX removed the Deke uh, insignias from everything these days and puts yeah, that's true. The they have DHX. So this has to be pre kooky jar.
1: Yeah, most likely because it has the Incredible World of Deke logo on it. So. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Either way, uh, enough about the DVD. More about its content.
1: Yeah, so...
0: We're not going to be able to put this off, are we?
1: No, we're not, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, we're dealing with a one-hour Future-length Christmas special here. I'm a wild green guy living under the bed. I got a a sock before you turn your head. Like a boat to life. I make a hard jump. My name is Mr. Bumpy. I go bump, 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 yeah, bump. bump, 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 bump. Everybody bump. Let's just start right off the bat and just say that this goes on for far too fucking long. This is something that could be easily done within a regular 20 minute long special.
0: Uh, At the speed that the Sonic special went, very easily. Yes. Which admittedly was too fast, but I mean, with the way it worked.
1: At the same time, it's also Sonic, so I think it has an excuse.
0: Well, that's true. Either way, this one is Twas the Night Before Bumpy. It is the Christmas special, uh, and I believe the uh, last episode ever made, of Bumpin' the Night, a... Cl-
1: a... Claymation cartoon. Is it Clay? It's Claymation. It's, it's, it's clay. I, think it, claymation. I mean, it's... Uh, it, there's uh, definitely... It's Claymation CGI. Kind there's of... definitely
0: puppetry going on. Yeah, it there's... feels a bit um, robot chicken yes. in places. Yes, for sure. Uh, it's stop motion. Mm-hmm. it's definitely the uh, the the easiest way of describing it there are definitely clay characters but uh, a lot of them are toys yeah and this is not the best first impression one could have <laughs> no on, it's
1: not um Night. so quick rundown let's let's go through the characters before we press on any further because
0: okay. well there a... seems
1: to be a weird show that no one really knows much about it, it just kind of existed for a short while and then dropped off the face of the earth.
0: I mean, they, they made more than one season of it, which was
1: surprising yeah. for Deke. Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, I so, assume this was
0: a thing. Possibly. Money had to have gone into it, it's stop motion rather than mm. uh, than uh, traditional animation.
1: Ah uh, yes, but it wasn't Deke initially, was it?
0: Um, Possibly not, no. Seeking a break for some research. Probably <laughs> should have
1: done it in the first place. Whoops, oh God, oh dear. Da, da, da.
0: Night show.
1: Yeah, Danger Productions. And then later code produced and distributed by Deke.
0: Right, okay.
1: So this isn't a pure Deke thing. So. Yeah,
0: well, few, few things are, but this isn't an originally Deke thing.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um... We have three main characters here that are pretty much the focus in this show. There is Mustard Bumpy, who is this weird, green, warty uh, monster creature. There is Squishington, who is a blue toilet monster, that's basically just a weird, amorphous blob.
0: And basically has the voice of Pinky from Pinky and the Red Gra- Brain, including the... Well, Almost as if it's it's the same voice, voice yeah, but it's using basically Um, the same voice. Oh,
1: right, and also Mr. Bumpy is voiced by Jim Cummings as well. Uh, Who we love, who we love, we always love Jim Cummings, except in this,
0: except in this,
1: and Molly Coddle, or just Molly, who is uh, referred to as a comfort doll, which we looked up and. Looks nothing like what Molly looks like. Um,
0: she's kind a, of she's a traditional child's doll. But yeah, one kind of similar
1: being, to a Raggedy Ann.
0: Yes, yeah. she is very much a Raggedy Ann, uh, except extremely
1: parts. Raggedy because all of her body parts don't match. Like she's got a kind of like weird mannequin arm, and then also the plush arm and stuff like that. It's, yeah, if, if she honestly, had, the most interesting character design here.
0: I'm just saying, <laughs> if she had black stripes, she would be Tim Burton's Raggedy Ann.
1: Yeah, basically. Um, but yeah, those are your main three, and then there's a bunch of minor characters who we'll talk about later on as they come up. So, the moment this special starts, we are hit in the face immediately with the regular bump in the night theme tune.
0: Yes, they didn't start this as a movie.
1: No, it's.
0: I mean, they did treated start- as a normal episode. They did start this as a movie they just put the original Bump in the Night opening sequence in front of the we've got a nice cinematic starting sequence.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just like, my very first note that I ever made for when we were watching this was just fucking Christ, this theme tune. Because it's so much to be, like, to face. Like, the very first thing you see is this ridiculously fast-paced and upbeat kind of... I don't even know how to describe what a bit disco-y, kind
0: of Theme tune uh, I, it's, it's really it's bizarre it gone straight out of my head already It's not memorable and To be honest, it makes me to. question
1: kind of like What they were intending Mr. Bumpy to really be Like
0: Well, he seems to be some kind of Bar owner, stroke Blues singer, stroke Horrific uh, Monster Yeah, that's what
1: I thought, kind of a blues singer type character I mean He's a rogue His voice
0: He's a hyperactive quark
1: His voice reminds me of um, The video game character Mr. Bones From Mm. the Sega Assassin game Mr. Bones
0: Note to self, check science to see if hyperactive quarks are a thing
1: Mm. Um...
0: (sighs) Either way um, he's, He's a green blob
1: yeah but i mean like we've finished talking about the yeah. is, we're talking about the thing itself because we have a lot to get through here folks so
0: okay um let's blast through so this. yeah
1: first impressions holy god this theme stream is too much but then immediately after that we get to see the lovely uh credits that start at the beginning and it's all this like one this kind of clean one shot panning around this yes. set you- with all of the credits written on the cards and stuff and it's Gorgeous. Yes,
0: it's panning around a uh, family Christmas uh, living room uh, and across various cards and decorations with the the credits on. And it looks good.
1: I'm going to say like... It looks competent. Yeah, like one of the few positive things I can say about this entire thing is that the sets are gorgeous. The sets that they build are like packed in little details and stuff like that. And it just... Feels really nice.
0: Well, it's because they were able, with the scale they were working with, because everything is toys in a large world, they're basically just able to build real sets and then kind of animate them, uh, stop motion-ish. Mm. I mean, they. I think they just do something screw, they just film it normally and do something screw with the camera when you're uh, doing um, just the shots of the rooms.
1: Mm, probably, and it, it looks I mean, good. yeah, it did seem unusually smooth when it was panning across the credits and stuff. Yeah, I will say that. So,
0: kind of this weird mix of the choppy, but not as if it was you know th- actually animated. I think what
1: happened they shot. I think they did that in reverse.
0: Quite possibly,
1: because the way that it was so unusually smooth makes me think of it being shot in reverse, and then they flipped it back around again when it was actually in the editing phase. So it goes all one by one. I don't know. Because when it reminds me, there's the reverse filming technique and then playing the other way around is, um, it reminds me of one specific thing, which was this, um, obscure to everyone but British people who were born in like the 80s and 90s, the TV comic strip ZAP. (laughs) Which is something that I really want to talk about at some point because it's so damn good. But um, and at the beginning of every segment on um, an episode of Zap, the camera is... Like, they film backwards going from the panel with the character bursting out of the panel and then kind of flapping their arms about and pulling weird faces and stuff like that. And then it pulls away to view the full comic. That is filmed like that way, and then when it's played back in editing, it's reversed so that it appears that it's going towards the frame and the character goes into the panel. So you see the full panel art and then the segment starts.
0: It kind of has the weird, just not quite right smooth movement.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's the kind can... of unnaturally smooth movement that it has.
0: Uh We are, of course, packing in as much conversation about the quality of this scene because this is the scene with the most quality. Yeah. (laughs) From this point onwards, it's... It's all downhill. It's all downhill. It's
1: all downhill. So, um, yeah.
0: So, after our uh, beautiful credits, we open to Mr. Bumpy's annual holiday pageant where the toys are putting up decorations and preparing.
1: No explanation for why the pageant is a thing.
0: It's just an annual thing. It's what they do.
1: Annual traditions, I guess. I don't Uh, know. Bumpy
0: himself, however, has been preparing a trap for Santa.
1: Yeah, this is one of my... Why the fuck is Bumpy trying to kill Santa?
0: To get the bag. The bag. The bag.
1: (laughs) I... 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 Gil got one with the plotline, because it just kind of goes a bit extreme.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's not exactly a, um, a sympathetic hero, is he? He's not even a hero. No, no. He is...
1: By all means, a villain. Uh,
0: either way, Squi- Squishington immediately falls into this trap, uh, destroying the entire set living. of traps. Yeah,
1: there's a whole bunch of traps. Well, it's kind of rude. It goes Goldberg goes off one by one. Yeah,
0: except not
1: including rude a Gold- missile of all fucking it's things. It's rude
0: just... Goldberg, but not actually rude Goldberg. They yeah, are because on a it doesn't of actually traps, but they don't link to each other.
1: Yeah, they just, they just kind of just go off. It's not one clever. By
0: one. It's just. This is a thing that it's happens. happens. It's in sequence. It's not
1: Rube Goldberg. It's just a sequence
0: of it. Uh, Bumpy berates Quishington and then is forced to rescue him from the closet monster by giving the closet monster a present. This all happens incredibly quickly. It's hard to tell what's going on half of the time in this sh- this thing.
1: Well, no, because it doesn't. It's, if, it doesn't really go by quickly. It more just goes... like I think it's the initial bit, it goes by quickly, and then... Later on, yeah. it slows it down. It does get very slow
0: later on. Um, so he hands him a present of uh, ties, was it?
1: Uh, yes, it was a box of ties. It wasn't meant to be the box of ties. It no. was meant to be a box of explosives.
0: Which then explode in their faces.
1: Well, yeah, because Squishington opens it, going, this one. <laughs> yeah, this thing is not written well. The jokes are just terrible. Like, God, maybe one actually landed? I don't even think it did. But, um, at this
0: point, uh, Squish begins to bemoan his lack of feet,
1: for no good reason, just randomly. We're going to bring this up now,
0: uh, admitting that what he really wants is to tap dance.
1: Why not? Yeah, F- fuck it. May as well have some kind of McGuffin.
0: Um.
1: Oh yeah, it was also at this point that like, Holly
0: like, is it Holly? Uh, Molly. Molly. M- Holly's and in... right. Uh, Molly suggests that Santa might bring something to fix that. Hmm. Uh, Which then Bumpy says, well, that doesn't matter because he's going to snatch all of the presents.
1: Yeah. Um, It was kind of like around this point that I noticed some kind of weird tendency that this show has to zoom in unnaturally close on the character's eyes.
0: Yeah, because then all you have to do is... um, animate the eyes and the upper part of the face and you don't have to do anything with the rest of the body. Yeah. And whilst that saves on time and animation and you can probably just continually reuse it because you don't have to limp lip sync. It's
1: so bizarre looking it though. It looks weird. It's so weird. Once you start noticing it then you notice it happen <laughs> constantly.
0: It's, yeah. It's it's definitely a cost-saving measure. A cost-saving measure in a DEEK program. <laughs>
1: Um Also I'm gonna just spoil right now, the Closet Monster is the best character. Yeah. (laughs) It's literally the only good character in this entire fucking show.
0: Because it doesn't talk.
1: Yeah, it doesn't do anything. It's It's just just, it just just kinda sits there. Basically a giant
0: puppy made of socks. Yeah. Um The Toys uh get in on this conversation and each list what they want for Christmas. In a song. Uh, and Bumpy vir- bursts into a version of the Twelve Days of Christmas. There it is. About stealing all of their presents, and um, and then leaves for the North Pole to steal the bag.
1: Yeah, they they just kind of bugger off to the North Pole, and he steals um, he steals Squishington as well. Yeah, uh, by promising him, with
0: him. feet.
1: Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Molly's like going, mean, "Oh wait, what about the pageant or stuff?" And Bumpy just shrugs that off and gives her the duty of uh, being the pageant director. Director, that was it. Just the pageant director. Uh, she has no authority at all because she is just simply too fucking nice. Yep. Um. So she's kind of like meek and just like, um, oh, let's do our best out there. To which everyone goes, "Nah, you loser," and just walks away. Yep. This is the B plot, by the way. Yeah. It is about just as interesting as the A plot. That is to say, not at all.
0: Yeah. So, immediately, Bumpy and Squish travel halfway across the world on a map that somewhat is a really old joke where you just show the pattern of movement just curving absolutely everywhere. Did you notice the map was a world map, but upside down and reversed?
1: Huh. Strange. Um Oh, oh yeah, I forgot to mention. Um every so often there's gonna be bits in this uh well, film, I guess, where the characters are kind of imagining a scenario or something in their heads and we see that and it goes into this really bizarre kind of Terry Gilliam style animation. Sequence for about like half a minute mm, I think a bit, you're giving it too much too credit much, Well no it's not, it's not Terry Gilliam it's, like, it's, um, it's cut out It's cut out kind of animation
0: yeah. Give it a few years and it would be like Flash animation
1: Yeah it's really bizarre how it looks And it's kind of cool at the same time I, I, I admire the aesthetic That it goes for it's a bit... Do you know what it reminds me It reminds me of the kind of uh, catchphrases that you see on the panel show catchphrase.
0: It reminds me of children's TV of that era because it's stuff like um, the video games in Clarissa Explains It All. Mm. There, is, there was definitely... And uh, I assume a lot of the items on MTV.
1: <laughs> Girls Club.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Blimey.
1: Girls Club party.
0: Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. There was definitely a lot of that going around at the time. And it doesn't look too bad. It's, I guess it's cheaper to animate than the rest of it. So they use it too much. Uh, they get lost, however, and end up spending the night in a deep jungle where they're captured by an earthworm named Joachim who is a South American general.
1: Read. Stereotypical character. Horrible voice. I, I, I read, I wrote down this character as... Racist stereotype Mexican worm
0: Um I mean I don't think it was necessarily Not really racist but very racist uh, Very very stereotypical But it was definitely a stereotype I mean yeah. it's um, kind of a reference Eesh. to Uh Kind of the various Um Self-appointed generals that you had In various um, rebellions In the South American uh, Provinces mm He's got a bit of, uh, he's a bit, um, he's a bit Che Guevara. Is he, though? No, <laughs> no.
1: Again, you're <laughs> go on giving it too credit now.
0: I'm giving it too much credit. It's just a kind of a, a he, he's a worm who is also a South American general.
1: Oh, also, can we just mention how gross it is that uh, Pumpy and Squishy just forked off to the North Pole and then dumped all of this heavy-duty tasks on Molly to run the entire fucking pageants.
0: Yeah, we did kind of touch on that, but yes, yeah. that's gross. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Like, you I'm know, just gonna
1: say right now, like, Mr. Bumpy is possibly the most disgusting protag we've seen. Not because he's gross-out humour, but...
0: He's an arsehole protagonist.
1: Yeah, he's just not a good character. He's and... possibly one of the least likable characters. I
0: mean, I get that. I get that's the point of the show. He's... still not Fun to watch half the time in this.
1: Nope.
0: Even a quarter of the time, perhaps. Uh, either way, um, they're made to join the General's army and perform a sneak attack on a bush. I'm not quite sure why that... It's funny. I guess. It's funny. Jokes. But when they explain that they're heading for Santa in the North Pole, the worm lets them go because he can't write a letter to Santa because he doesn't have any arms.
1: I'm... <laughs> I, uh, half and, of this movie doesn't make any sense And offers
0: to dig to the North Pole In exchange for hands from Santa's bag Yeah Atomic I, robotic hands
1: Yeah I. Mm,
0: it, it's I, It's very lol random isn't it
1: It is It very much is And so they go down this fucking hole And then inexplicably Bumpy and Squishy Start singing about Food uh, yes. I don't know why.
0: Because they had lots of clips of uh, them eating food uh, from the series and could string them together to make a quick music video. Oh yeah, every, so every they time s- they make a
1: music, every time they sing a song, it's just a bunch of stock clips from the previous episodes strung together. Yeah.
0: Um, so they sing about peanut butter and other foodstuffs to the tune of Detla Halls. It's not good. I.
1: Would you like to know my... Five notes that I've got after Why Are They Singing About Food Okay, hit me Why is this happening? Why was there one short bit where Squishy was weird and dehydrated looking? <laughs> just why? Why is the show? Who decided that this show was a good idea?
0: Yeah, that pretty much sums it up Um, I mean, Who did decide okay, that this show was a good idea? I'm
1: just going to say this now at the point we're at where we're talking about it we're about say what like 26 minutes in it already felt like it was been like at least two hours yeah it moves at a snail's pace it is just gut wrenchingly so slow so much in
0: and yet feels so long yeah uh, Bumpy admits to Squish that he is planning on double crossing the general which I guess is inevitable Okay. Well, uh, yeah meanwhile back at the pageant Uh, Molly is still failing to exert any authority as a pageant director, so she decides to take charge and starts getting angry.
1: Yeah, I was looking this up because, like, my note here is just, oh, she suddenly got mad. Hmm, please don't see that she has a split personality gimmick.
0: And it's no, it's It's just... It's not, it's not. I
1: looked it up and it's just inexplicably, she just bursts sometimes. So... I guess in that regard she is still a relatable character to me because, like, <laughs> otherwise she's just this nice friend who likes cuddles and stuff. And it's like, yes, I agree.
0: Mostly soft, sometimes angry. Uh, then a Jewish-coded bug character sings the dreidel Inexplicably, song.
1: Inexplicably, yeah. And he sings the dreidel song, and it still goes after two minutes. It is literally the longest song in the movie yet. It just keeps going. It yeah, doesn't end.
0: To their credit... They did animate quite a chunk of this and then they ran out of animation for it and just showed any pictures of characters spinning from previous episodes.
1: And also the actor just gives up on like making up new lyrics near the end and stumbles a lot.
0: I mean I I it's 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 not good. Uh and
1: And then I stopped paying attention for five minutes because it was at this point that I was looking up Molly's character to see <laughs> Like, what's going on with her being mad suddenly? And then I looked back up, and now they're talking to a hummingbird that is more annoying than Bumpy.
0: Well, you see, between then, Molly got angry about the perfectly adequate performance and threatened... threatened, I don't know what his name is. I think it's either Bug Body or Silverfish. I think he is a silverfish. Uh, With insect spray. Which I think is a bit harsh. Yeah, that's a bit fucking... Yeah, that's... (laughs) Literally, I mean, there's a cartoony
1: way of doing things, but still, that is literally threatening to kill. Uh,
0: back in the tunnel, the worm hits ground, only to find that they miss the North Pole by a considerable margin and instead are in the middle of Stonehenge. A low-flying hummingbird crashes into... I going
1: to say that's not how the map works, but okay. <laughs> a
0: low-flying hummingbird crashes into one of the standing stones, uh, causing a uh, the stone to fall down on the worm.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't have anything for this until um, a little while after. This
0: is Doris the hummingbird. Doris. Doris the hummingbird, who I who believe has... is Jim Cummings doing a Terry Jones Monty yeah, Python old Yeah, I was gonna say very
1: voice. much a, the Pepper Potts type, type character.
0: It's a uh, yes. It's a. Um, to be fair, he is doing an excellent Monty Python impression.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, he's Jim fucking Cummings. Yeah. What did you expect?
0: Regardless, this is this means that he is doing this shrill. British old woman voice mm. uh, that occasionally verges into Australian because Jim Cummings can't quite do an uh, English accent and um, yeah uh, th- the bird is bemoaning the amount of energy it expends flying and she introduces herself as Doris uh, she offers to fly them to the North Pole in exchange for a jetpack from Santa's bag but uh she is unable to focus on getting it because she's getting uh taking them because she's hungry. So Bumpy disguises Squish as a burger and Somehow. hangs him from a fishing pole to get the hummingbird to focus. Uh the burger gets caught midair and the pair falls to the ground on the north pole.
1: That the burger thing never really got no, explained. It didn't work, uh, did it? It's, no.
0: I mean it got explained. It's um, just
1: lol random. Also there's this Thing whereas Doris mentions that there's a giant sign- shining sc- star in the sky and you can follow that t- to get to the North Pole, my reaction to that was like, "Excuse me, that's for Jesus, not for Santa. That is how you get to Jesus Christ."
0: It's not. You, you go. You go. No,
1: you follow the star in the sky. There's a giant Never star. Married. That's how the that's how the three wise men got to got to Mary, giving Avery. birth to Avery, giving birth to Jesus, Avery, giving birth to Jesus,
0: Avery. It's the North Star. It's the north You follow it's, it to go north. It's the fist of the North I'm Star. I'm not sure it continues to work after following north. There. I don't think it's perfectly north above the North Pole. It
1: would, to, to be honest, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be that far off if they got to Santa's place and Kenshiro was just there from the fist of the North Star, just waiting for them.
0: Are you proud of yourself? Yeah, I am.
1: Okay. It's funnier than most of the shit that goes on in this fucking film. Well,
0: that's true. Uh, da, 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 da. They sing about being cold to the tune of Jingle Bells.
1: Again, for no reason. It uh, just happens. Using more
0: reused footage. Yep. Uh, including many of the same scenes as they had reused in previous films.
1: Literally scenes that happened five minutes earlier are being reused in these music videos.
0: And also clips that they used as clips in previous music videos. Yeah. Uh, But they uh, roll out of the snow and find themselves at Santa's militaristic compound where the elf and snowman soldiers are singing about protecting the bag to the tune of God uh, God Bless Ye Merry Gentlemen. In a song that is so long, it crosses an ad break.
1: It crosses an ad break, and then also it goes up an octave when it sounds like it's already over, which is one of the biggest fucking no, crimes you can not do. Not
0: only does it go up an octave when it sounds like the song is over, which is the biggest sin of 90s music, it goes up another octave. Oh, geez. It does it twice.
1: Uh, notes: If Hollywood's Hounds wasn't so grossly insensitive, this would easily be the worst one on the desk. Yeah.
0: I mean, the the, the, the designs of the the snowmen was quite fun. I guess. The, the big bulky muscle man snowman.
1: It confused me to be honest. But uh, army el- troop snowmen? Why?
0: The el- elves are kind of crap.
1: Oh, guarding guarding toys. How plot convenient. <sighs>
0: Bumpy and Squish decide to go in on the cover as a snowman, sneaking their way in through the compound to the bag. Uh, when they're inevitably discovered, the elves chase them into Santa's house, where they come across a line of evil snowmen Turning back, they are surrounded. They dive out of the way, resulting in the two groups massacring each other, and then slip through a secret passage.
1: I noted that the uh, elves in question are pretty gross also, but I'm guessing this is on purpose.
0: Well, everything's gross in this.
1: Yeah, um... God. The only way this would be an acceptable thing to watch were if you just stoned out of your goddamn mind. But at the same time... I'm not even sure it would. Yeah, either I'm not sure either. Because there are some things in here which would freak you the hell out if you were stoned. Because they freaked me the hell out and I was not stoned. So that's how bad it is, you know. I
0: The Secret Passage takes them to the back room Where they're ambushed by another group of elves and snowmen I believe you want to point out the one funny joke
1: So yeah, they actually the elevator, they, um, I don't know whether they say There's like, oh look, there it is Or something How do um, they
0: know they're in the bag room? Only? How do
1: they know they're in the back room? Well, here it is The one funny gag, are you ready for it? And the entrance of the bag room, there are four signs dotted on the sides of the uh, of the entrance. Two on each side. And it says, This is it. It's the bag room. You are here. Bag inside.
0: It's
1: literally the only good visual gag.
0: Well done. 42
1: buddy. minutes into the fucking thing.
0: You wrote a gag, guys.
1: Well done. And of course, when fucking Bumpy tries to take the bag... It turns out that it's full of Indiana tri- uh, Jones-style traps.
0: Now, now, you're missing an important plot point.
1: Oh, what is it?
0: Squish decides to stall the uh, the a group of elves and snowmen that they're ambushed by. Oh, no. Uh, leading them on a chase. Uh, Bumpy reaches the bag chamber, but uh, activates a series of dungeon traps before re- reaching the bag. He
1: reaches um, the bag, and then... I'm going to say this is the other pretty funny okay, joke. Yeah. This, this was... Well, it was less a it's funny a joke. But it's a very old one, but it's well-executed. It's a well-executed well sort of funny joke that actually plays well into Bumpy's character, and that's when he is trying to figure out if he wants all of the presents in the bag for himself or if he's going to give them out to his friends, a little kind of devil appears on his shoulder, as it were, the angel and the demon kind of appear on his shoulder, uh, acting the subconscious and that sort of thing, um, and he's thinking it over with his subconscious demon, and then a second subconscious demon appears on his other shoulder, and that persuades him to go forward. And it's just like, you know, that's pretty well done. Yeah. That that works with Bumpy's character and it did, shows who he is. I mean,
0: it's a, it's a really I. E. old joke. I.e. an It's a really old joke. Oh, yeah. It, it works yeah. for this.
1: Oh, and in case you're wondering, yes, it did do the Indiana Jones rolling ball thing. Oh,
0: yeah, that's immediately after this. Yeah. He attempts to take the bag and activates a, a Raiders of the Lost Art style boulder trap, which is dressed like, ours, uh, which is dressed like Santa. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the pageant is happening
1: Yeah, it just suddenly cuts to the pageant And we have the uh, three plastic dolls Who I believe are called the Cute Dolls
0: Right, that makes sense
1: Um, And they're singing We Wish You a Merry Christmas But with changed lyrics that I don't know what they were saying Because I couldn't figure it out Um, But It wasn't
0: changed lyrics It was just Oh. Straight singing, "We wish you a merry Christmas." Oh, fair enough. And this scene actually oh, yeah. worked quite nicely. Yeah, because they juxtaposed the chaos that was happening in Santa's compound against this very mellow, calm version of "We wish you a merry Christmas." Yeah, someone knew what they were doing in this one. It
1: was a good scene. Unfortunately, it was... it's the only one.
0: Yeah, Squish gets himself flattened by the boulder, uh, but Bumpy manages to make his way to Santa's sled. Uh, Squish just gets out in time to latch onto the back of the sled as uh, Bumpy steals it. Can I just
1: interject here? There's something weird, like a, a weird inconsistency here in that this entire time is Bumpy is dragging the bag along really slowly, like in playing that it's super heavy. As soon as he gets to the sled, he's able to fling it up.
0: Well, that's cartoon with for no you. I... I...
1: I there, I, again it's the consistency problem with cartoon. like it's, if you're having silly cartoon physics fair, you need to kind of but
0: nothing in this thing follows rules to begin with I guess I mean we're talking about a thing where a hummingbird who needs ridiculous amount to eat ridiculous amount of junk food to gain energy is perfectly fine flying two people to the north pole mm. it's at this point that the elves employ anti-aircraft candy canes
1: I'm not even joking they're just candy cane missiles yeah um Oh yeah,
0: can whilst, we mention... Sorry, anti-aircraft candy canes whilst faux Top Gun music plays.
1: Yeah. Um, which I didn't get because I've not seen Top Gun, but anyway...
0: It's, it's distinctly um, supposed to be Top Gun.
1: Can I just point out, like, this entire event happened in Santa's compound as where well. There is no Santa in this movie. No, there, we never we see don't Santa. see any Santa. We see a
0: boulder that is dressed as Santa and that is the closest thing we see.
1: Great, good job. Um... Bump apparently has trouble controlling the sled, and he exclaims, RUN AWAY SLED! Even though he appears to be perfectly fine controlling it. And then, all of a sudden, as he's trying to slow it down, the cords connected to the reindeer's rip-off Hold on, you've missed the an sleigh. important point Oh, I missed another important point Oh no, <sighs> oh jeez What am I going to do, Marky? Uh,
0: Squish accidentally tears the bag whilst trying to clamber onto the front of the... Uh, oh yeah Okay, thing. here's the
1: other good gag.
0: Okay, there is one here's more a, gag. There's
1: a cutaway gag with this So, Squish is holding onto the bag as he's flying on the sled and it slowly starts ripping and the presents fly out of the bag and they land Perfectly, we see a little cutaway gag with in the two D animation style as the presents perfectly land in the chimneys of all of these kids,
0: and as each lands, someone says "Thank you."
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's just
0: that one worked, but then they did it twice, so it uh, lost its.
1: I guess so, yeah. But I mean, it's still as as far as it goes. That's a pretty decent joke. Uh,
0: But at this point, Doris gets her jetpack, and Joaquin gets his atomic hand
1: because, of course, they do. It was plant sensitive. Um,
0: So Bumpy pulls too hard on the reins, they snap, and the sleigh immediately drops out of the sky because the physics in this thing don't actually function. Yeah. Uh, Which rains presents onto the toys. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And Molly, at this point, is trying to direct everyone's enthusiasm.
1: Well, you say that, it's more kind of forcing people onto doing a stage show.
0: Well, no. At this point, she is yelling at people to be to be more enthusiastic about the toys that they are currently being enthusiastic about.
1: No, I'm pretty sure Sorry, they. Told, I'm pretty sure they. She told them to stop being enthusiastic about the toys and to get over with the program. Pretty sure I remember Did that. Did she? Oh, yeah. I don't
0: care. I don't care anymore. This thing was terrible. Yes. Um, um.
1: So yeah. Eventually, the whole fucking like ace of like a whole fucking like moral of the story type thing goes on and it's like Bumpy realises, oh, giving is better than
0: getting and yada, yada, yada. Bumpy's left with one single present, but Squish hasn't had his feet yet. So Squish complains with all the works he did. He deserves the feet. Bumpy points out that this shows that he never needed the feet in the first place. You think it's going to do a whole Wizard of Oz thing and it sort of did because it had three people uh, asking for for body parts or replacements of body parts on a journey, except they didn't all get to the end because that would cost an animation budget. Um, Regardless, uh, Squish agrees, yes, he never needed them in the first place, but he wants to tap dance. Uh, At which point, Bumpy has an epiphany for entirely plot-specific, boring reasons and gives Squish the final present.
1: And inside of it is a noisemaker shaped like some tap dancing shoes. And so he shakes them about and does a small jig. That is not tap dancing, nor is it just dancing. It's not impressive, and yet everyone claps and goes, Oh, Squish, you can tap dance. Uh, no, no, he can't. That's no. not tap dancing. That's just twatting about with the noisemaker.
0: Uh, Joachim and Doris turn up to thank Bumpy, and Bumpy realises that he's made people happy, and that giving feels as good as getting.
1: Yeah. I've got know here, Bumpy learns the true meaning of Christmas, in quotes.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is it's a... It's
1: just the default moral. Fruit. It is a default moral, it's but so I mean,
0: it's it's not often that this specific uh, giving is as fun as getting uh, thing is actually stated. Because uh, usually there's more the focus on uh, just being with your family and friends is the true meaning for Christmas. I guess. And I like that. That it goes with the other one, although it's quite consumerist in uh, a yeah, statement. Yeah, But I like giving presents. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Um, but we're still not done with uh, Molly's uh, uh, subplot. So Molly demands Bumpy sing, otherwise the pageant will be ruined. And Bumpy does a thing. He recaps the events of the film to the tune of the Twelve Days of Christmas. Again, <sighs> they use the Twelve Days of Christmas again.
1: And it's also another clip show type
0: Yeah, they've doubled up on songs at this point.
1: And the lyrics are awkwardly jammed into the song as well.
0: Uh, At this point, for no specific reason, Molly decides that she has been a terrible person and has been making everyone's lives miserable.
1: Yeah, okay. I've got an incredibly long note about this. Because this is something that actually kind of fucked me off. Yeah. This entire scene, right? So, I'll I'll recap on the scene here before I go into the note. So... What happens is that Molly finally calms down, she's cool again, and she's realised what an absolute shitheel she's been, and everyone's like, whoa, yeah, you suck, and then Molly's like, oh, will you forgive me, and everyone's like, no, fuck off, and then she's like, tries to guilt trip them into uh, like, being okay with her again, and then she, everyone goes, oh, well, yeah, okay, I guess.
0: Well, she doesn't guilt trip. No, please. she
1: guilt them, trips them full on. She goes into a kind of partial cry mode and goes, oh, but... No, it's a full-on guilt trip, fair my friend. Enough, it's a full guilt trip. Here is my fucking note, right? Everyone in The Passion... Suddenly hates Molly for being in angry mode, despite the fact that literally the only fucking way she was able to get them to do anything was because of them not believing that she like was the pageant manager, despite having a fucking sash that said pageant manager on it. Right? She didn't have any authority when she was calm, etc. Thus, no one believed her. The only way that she got them to do anything in the first place and even have the pageant happen was because she went into angry mode. They hate her when she's out of angry mode, and they hate her when she's in angry mode, and then she, she fucking guilt trips she, them into liking her. Like wh- she owes nothing to these
0: people. No, nothing. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who are the audience? We never see the audience.
1: But the, the other toys, quite clearly. What toys? There's a bunch of other toys. There's that you occasionally see that don't say a single line.
0: Okay. In Very the background. Rough. Would it would it be so much of a problem if the pageant Didn't fucking happen It looks a pathetic pageant and nobody's there
1: Oh, oh right yeah also Fucking okay. Bumpy and Squishy have just gone They've left the scene and they left her with the sash left, Pretty much basically Considering that she is the One of the three main characters That means that she now has the power Of the leader Surely that falls to her at this point Which means that she should have the authority regardless.
0: Well, she should never have been left with the... position. That's
1: not an excuse!
0: No, I mean, she should never have been left with the position, she should have just walked out.
1: Yeah, probably, but I mean, then that would have ruined the pageant and thus ruined the plot.
0: Well, then that's Bumpy's problem, isn't it? It's his bloody pageant. They didn't have the time to fix it because they were off fucking about at the North Pole for an hour. It's Bumpy's problem. It's his fucking pageant. And if Mr. Bumpy's pageant doesn't happen, boo whoop de doo. If he wants his name on a pageant, then he needs to be there present producing it.
1: It's at this point that I also put, I take it back, this show has no likeable cra- characters whatsoever. Yeah. And more then than wait, unfair. Closet Monster is good. That's oh, yeah, it. Yeah. No one else is good.
0: Yeah. Um, it's a, a, uh, So, yeah, Toys did admit she did a good job. Forgive her. Uh, For some Then Mr. Bumpy asks that if people can give presents to people, what's the point of a Santa?
1: And then he leaves that question open. Yeah, this is never never closed. I love
0: the fact that this is never sorted. We never see Santa, and he asks the what's the point of Santa in the first place. (sighs) Again, that's exactly what you want your children to see at Christmas. (laughs) Questioning of their entire belief system.
1: Good grief!
0: Uh, He's then suddenly attacked by the closet monster except not attacked by the closet monster the closet monster is just there to give him a, a present of a dirty sock
1: yeah which he then eats yeah um so uh, the end yeah the end that's the end of it it's weird though because like when it goes into the credits scene the very first credits kind of uh I don't know what to call it I guess tile or whatever that we see is this super colourful bright one and then it immediately cuts into black and white <laughs> sock credits yeah <laughs> um which just kind of definitely says a lot about the production values of this thing.
0: Yeah, it really does. It's um,
1: absolutely awful. And I honestly dread when we come up to actually watching this show on the on the. Uh,
0: I mean, I I can only assume podcast. that it's going to be better because... They, For the better luck. Because they only deal with 24-minute...
1: Yeah, well, Chops. no, it's even less than that. I think the at the most an episode usually is is about eleven minutes.
0: Is it really? I believe they're so. short.
1: They're shorts, I believe. How
0: did they think they were going to be able to stretch a short hour? No idea. Over an
1: hour? They tried and they failed.
0: Yeah, this wasn't this this wasn't a good show.
1: Um, random, oh random trivia. The okay. stereotype worm is played by Cheech of Cheech and Chong.
0: Oh yes, yes, it was. <laughs>
1: Just... He's there? Just sudden Cheech Marin. Do you want to explain it? No? He's just there? Okay. I guess he's got nothing better to do. Brilliant.
0: Yeah. I mean, what else is he going to do? Uh, uh, cartoons about dragons? I guess. Video games about cartoons about dragons?
1: Yeah, sure. I... As I said, if fucking Hollywood Hounds wasn't so damn insensitive, then this would have totally been at the bottom of the list. It would yeah. have been the absolute worst. But instead, it's only second way, so it goes one above Hollywood Hounds. Yeah,
0: it's definitely the most boring, though. It. it I mean,
1: it's an hour long for yeah, no good reason. There is. It not could easily be to, half an hour.
0: There is not enough stringing this thing together, and yet there is so much that happens.
1: It needs better writing, above all else. Yeah. Like one of my notes is just, at this point, I feel sorry for Jim, who has to do this absolutely horrifying, just awful voice. It's... yeah. It grates. It grates on you.
0: So yes, Twas the Night Before Bumpy was not a great find. Uh, Jingle Bell Rock, on the other hand, this one's interesting.
1: This might be the actual winner on the DVD. This might be the best damn thing that we've seen. And not because the storyline is good, not because the animation is good, but for other reasons entirely that we're going to get onto in a oh, moment.
0: Ind- Jingle Bell Rock is interesting. Um, It's technically a licensed property. Is it? In that uh, it's licensed from the song Jingle Bell Rock, which is definitely oh. within copyright. Right, yes.
1: Um... You see, it's called Jingle Bell Rock, it's, it's, it's actually based off the origin story for the song Jingle Bell Rock.
0: Well, you say based on the origin story. That's it's, what AMDB it, says. It is AMDB a it. fake origin story for yeah. the song Jingle Bell Rock, uh, because I'm pretty sure that Jingle Bell Rock wasn't written by an actual well, elf.
1: Well, I mean, that's the thing, you say based off something, that, and that means the fucking anything. You're playing Calvin Ball with this story at this point.
0: Uh, regardless, this story was written by some guy I don't care about, and then was worked into a script by the writers of the movie Belto.
1: Which is a fairly well-known children's movie.
0: Yeah, Um, bit of a flop, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I seem to think it's remembered quite fondly, I think, uh, amongst the people who know it, (laughs) and that's about it. But, um... Interestingly, this was written pretty much sometime a little bit later after Balso. Yes, yes. Either I mean, they would have been written alpha.
0: in about ninety-two. Mm. I think it was sold in ninety-two, and then the actual script would have been produced for nineteen ninety-five, which is also the year in which Jingle Bell Rock was released. Mm-hmm. And um, gonna say. They were a bit fed up with Hollywood by this point.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of Hollywood jabs at this. Um, Serious of that. Which is, um, <laughs> several nuclear burns happen. It's very clearly meant to be this, like, satire on it. So they're, like, very fed up and tired of it and just calling out their bullshit.
0: But there are also some
1: really adult jokes. That too, yeah. This is a How kid's did- movie. I mean, put it this way. About what, like fifteen seconds into the very intro of the cartoon, and one of the three elves says, "How would you like to deck the halls with those?" After they see a woman.
0: Yeah. So this, uh, this um, short film, I guess, opens with a uh, framing device mm-hmm. uh, that starts at Star Seekers, uh, where a um, a producer claims to have been the one to save Christmas. With the help of a bunch of elves that have moved to L.A.
1: No. It's, um... He said, I did get help from an elf.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which
1: doesn't get questioned somehow. Doesn't get questioned. uh, Whatever.
0: Regardless, the voice of this guy is Milton Berle. Yeah. Mr. Television. He was... I mean, Milton Berle... His first role was at the age of something like eight... In the perils of pauline the perils of pauline if you've ever uh, if you've not ever heard of it is the origin of the whole uh woman in peril uh tied up on train tracks Ah
1: uh, trope that, the damsel in distress trope
0: uh well damsels have always been in distress it's more the origin uh, of basically a bunch of Hanna-Barbera cartoon scenes. Right. Anything that happens to Penelope Pitstop, for example.
1: Mm. You spit an awful lot. I'm sorry. I told you, you shouldn't have had that fisherman's friend. Sorry. If you have a fisherman's friend, that makes you go spitty, spittle everywhere.
0: Uh, and, I mean, his his career went downhill in kind of the late 50s, early 60s, was it?
1: Something like that, yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, uh, he was signed for a ridiculously long time to one of the major stations and then his star almost immediately collapsed after that. Uh, And, of course, they still had to keep paying him a million dollars a year. Mm. He was sorted.
1: Yeah, he's got a nice retirement plan up from Uh, there.
0: But at this point he was doing voices for anyone who would have him. Yeah. Which is fair enough when you're in. Um, I mean, did I say he was 87 at this point?
1: Something like that.
0: It's something. Something particularly old. I mean, his very final role uh, was in a Keenan and Kel episode.
1: <laughs> wow. Okay.
0: Uh, <laughs>
1: That's a very bizarre choice for So, sure. yeah, he
0: was up for anything, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah. Um. So we first see our elves at this point uh, As it shows us a clip That we will see again later in the yeah, episode
1: it's just One minute in and then we already have our first song Oh wait, it's already ended It's cut away
0: hmm. uh, they, We're then told that uh, one of the elves Has written a song called Jingle Bell Rock And then we <laughs> See this awkwardly cut Bit of Jingle Bell Rock played
1: Yeah. That just stopped Yeah, it's just one minute in Oh, we have the first song uh, Oh, it's over Huh.
0: and the uh the um producer is trying to sell the story of how this song came to be to someone on the phone and it's a fair enough play uh, it's a fair enough device but it's obvious that it was shoved together at some point to um to make it easier to tell what was going on kind of to
1: yes because the bits that comprise the intro scene are literally Clips from a later scene in the short. The proper start of the actual thing is when the title of it appears. Yeah. So these 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 are just little bookenders. There's a bit in the outro as well. It basically sets up the nuclear burn that happens right at the fucking end. Oh, absolutely.
0: End, but um, it's which makes it worth it. To this be bookend honest. is mostly there to, I suppose, to explain to people how you can make a Christmas special on the song, based around the song Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah. Cuz in um in American animation specials based on Christmas songs isn't a rarity. No. The vast majority of things in this genre are made by uh, Rankin and Bass, but of course, they're usually based on songs that actually have some plot structure like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Mm. Whereas Jingle Bell Rock doesn't. No. It's just about the song itself.
1: Yeah. It's just how this song came to be, except not really.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because
1: the the entire thing starts with our protagonist already having the song in the first place.
0: Um, it then starts at the North Pole, uh, where we re- where they reveal that Santa has gone bankrupt. Uh, his accountant claims that this is because too few people are on the naughty list. And we see a glimpse of a naughty list.
1: Yes, there's a naughty list of containing three people which were all added in post. We have uh, in order, Howard Stern, Dennis Rodman and Bob Packwood. Uh,
0: You probably vaguely know the shock jock Howard Stern and the uh, basketball player stroke... I would say possibly uh, how would you describe Dennis Rodman?:
1: I don't know either of them, matey.: uh,
0: Dennis Rodman uh, is a basketball player that kind of went a bit wrong in the head. Right. And these days he hangs around with um, the leader of North Korea.
1: Ha.: huh. Interesting.
0: Um, who was the first third, sorry?
1: Uh, Bob Packwood
0: Bob Packwood was very topical at the time Bob Packwood was a US senator Who was uh, At that point very recently dismissed uh, For um, Sexual assault Yeah
1: Um, Also another good line That came shortly after seeing the naughty list Was uh, the accountant elf saying You're still giving presents to Madonna
0: (laughs) Why Madonna (laughs) Poor Madge. I mean, I suppose she had... Would this be about the time that she released that um, tabletop book of her own nudes?
1: Oh, yeah, it might have been. (laughs) That might be what it's about. That might have been it, yeah. Uh,
0: And also that um, if he'd have had the sense to uh, enforce his trademarks rather than to become public domain, he'd have the royalties,
1: which... (laughs) That's so good, yeah. Just
0: a very fun observation. Uh, But as as such, Christmas will have to be cancelled. So in the North Pole Music Department, uh, an elf called Art, the boss of the music department, has started to get the impression that something's wrong uh, when it's pointed out that nobody has been made to make any presents this year. He uh, decides to bring in his subordinate, Buddy Elf, who is slacking off playing rock and roll Christmas... Slacking off playing a rock and roll Christmas song He is composing to The Reindeer.
1: Interestingly, singing in a voice that isn't his own.
0: Oh, yeah, this is... Um,
1: different other voice. And yeah. also, again, cut short, as always. Absolutely. Um, and says that... Um, well, the way the way that art the the music man who's called art the way he calls on his on, on buddy is he gets out this gigantic like megaphone like horn and just shouts into it um, and the horn kind of forms its own mouth which is like classic cartoon yeah, right absolutely. lovely lovely stuff and um, buddy's response to that is just I'm being paged it's Okay, interesting.
0: More than that's fair. I
1: guess that's how paging works. <laughs> t- uh, um, also, the reindeer clap with their hooves, which is weird, I guess. Yeah, that was weird. That was a bit strange.
0: Regardless. It wasn't
1: as... it's, it's, it's The whole animals clapping thing... It's, it was done best by Studio Ghibli with uh, The Cat Returns, because The Cat Returns has... Um, like the proper cats doing the clapping But because it's paused they have to clap a specific way So it sounds softer And they just have this room full of people Just clapping this really specific way And recording that for the sound effects. <laughs>
0: That's a really fun way of doing there's, there's it There's incredibly
1: deep amounts of detail I in attention that to detail Yeah
0: uh, Buddy tries to get Art to uh, Agree to uh, release a new Christmas song, but Art says that no, we don't need any new Christmas songs. If we were going to have a new Christmas song, Santa would have asked for a new Christmas song, and Art would be the one making it. Mm. He's an asshole boss.
1: Yeah. In other words, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's at this point that Santa finally announces to the elves that if finances don't approve soon, they'll all have to be let go. They seem to be more concerned about the fact that there won't be a Christmas than the fact that they are all going to lose their livelihoods.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, in a sense, the Christmas is that, that, that is their livelihood. Well, that's her. true. So you know. Uh,
0: but he suggests that they sell his new song. Buddy does not know how to take no for an answer.
1: Uh, yeah, no, he doesn't. He's—he's he's a bit naive, to be honest.
0: But Art says no. As such, Buddy decides that he will go on his own to uh, Los Angeles to sell his uh, song. Uh, at which point, Art realizes that if he does. Sell the song, then uh, Art can't take credit for anything, and so gets in on the uh, the gig along with who's the idiot third elf? Richie. Richie. Um. Presume...
1: unfortunately, not voiced by Rick Mayall, but I mean, they <laughs> missed the trick there.
0: Well, I'm assuming that it's a vo- it's a reference to um possibly Little Richard.
1: Hmm. Possibly.
0: Or possibly another. Rock, uh, rock and roll act
1: who fucking knows so at this point you might be noticing there's a little bit of similarity going on here in plots between this and the plot line that is, goes on within the Hollywood Hound's Christmas special
0: there's certainly an overlap
1: yeah there's it's it's basically the same plot
0: <laughs> well it's not exactly it's, the same plot
1: they've got a song one of them wants to go and sell it but now they have to go and do it as a group Then they go to an audition for a talent show to win a whole bunch of money so that they can save Christmas. Yeah. but It's the same fucking plot. But
0: then they don't end up doing it as a group.
1: Well, yeah, but (laughs) the main character still groups up with someone. The
0: setup is the same. Yeah. The the scene from the framing device replays and the elves experience a moment of culture clash uh, until they realise that LA is just weird. Yeah. Uh, and at and this then point,
1: uh, Richie. Well, Richie yeah, and Art we... go to a newspaper stand. Uh, Art tries on some cool sunglasses. Turns it pans over to Richie, and Richie has found a uh, kind of Playboy magazine type thing, and he literally looks at the centerfold and faints, and claims that uh, she would get awfully cold at the North Pole. Yeah. This is my reminder to you that this is a kids' cartoon. This is
0: a children's cartoon. How did this get past the census, do you reckon?
1: I have no idea.
0: It's uh, Were they all at Thanksgiving when this came through?
1: No idea. No idea.
0: Uh, Buddy has doubts that he's in the right place to sell the song, but uh, while his bosses waste time hanging about the pool and perving over more local women... Oh yeah,
1: the, Richie is just a complete pervert. Let's just put this out of the way. Um, he goes and tries to pick up just a random woman that's also at the pool with the line What would you like from Santa for this Christmas? <sighs> uh,
0: Buddy is deep into trying to sell the song, first at a record company and then just at the side of the road. Uh, and then he chances upon auditions for a TV talent show. Uh, he goes to it in with his bosses who are far more interested in their own fame and fortune than in saving Christmas.
1: Right, let's pause for a moment here. Because it's kind of during this segment that I noticed that this entire cartoon moves far too fast for its own good.
0: Yeah, this one We does. had
1: to pause repeatedly to get everything down. <laughs> everything goes so fast and it has so many rapid scene changes. It's
0: full of blinking, you'll miss it jokes as well.
1: And I'm just going to say, it reminds me a bit of Deke's edit of Sailor Moon. Really? In that it just has constant, just sudden scene changes for no good reason. Just this
0: awkward hyperactivity to it.
1: Yeah, just this sudden, like, oh, we're here now. And then just, like, we're going to be here for five seconds. We're going to have a bit of t- exposition talk. And no, we're in a different place. It's got that kind of feel to it. In fact, no, it's not even got that feel to it. That's exactly what happens in it.
0: I'm assuming it was written for something, for a larger slot, and then cut down for a uh, a 30-minute. Possibly... Well, there's there's stuff I noticed in it that never pays off. Anyway, in the queue for the audition, uh, Buddy overhears a nearby lady singing the first Noel. Whoa, hold up!
1: I need to mention something. Okay. Um. Uh, also, in the um, in this bit, um, they're waiting about in the audition line, and they kind of have a bit of a, a, a bit of a tiff, uh, saying like. Our Buddy wants to play a song but the other two don't want to do his song they're going to do their own thing or whatever and basically cast uh, Buddy out um, but it's at this point that Art kind of fantasises about being this big musician this big music star and um, we see a variety of different images including four parody album covers which include The Elf Who Loves Me Art's I've Got a Right to Sing the Blues, Art's Singing in the Rain and Simon and Art's Bridge Over Wawa. <laughs> With an incredibly depressed-looking Simon from Simon and Garfunkel. Yes. <laughs> Which is, there's, there's good visual gags right there.
0: Very blink and you'll miss it.
1: Oh yes, very much so.
0: But yes, uh, at the audition Buddy overhears a uh, nearby lady singing the first note at all. Uh, She explains that she wants to sing at the auditions, but is too nervous to do so. Uh, Buddy tells her a secret as to how he copes. And we... Immediately cut back to the star searchers. Actually, in the uh, auditions themselves, where acts are already being rejected, uh, Holly's first attempt at singing is weak. But then she imagines the audience in her un- in their underwear—a classic trick for uh, gaining confidence in front of a crowd. So she's selected for the show. And next up are Richie and Art.
1: Now, before we go into that, there is this brilliant moment um, while Jerry and uh, oh God, what's her name? Holly, while they're, those two are talking, uh, Jerry takes a moment to go back to his phone and just under it, like very, very quietly, just says, "Why not? Everyone cheats on their taxes."
0: Yeah, just this <laughs> one line thrown in. Really good. How much of a scumbag? Gently this tossed is. in.
1: Um, so yeah, the, the, we have um, Art and uh, Richie's act come in, and they're originally going to be called the Elves uh, when it was. <laughs> when um, fucking What's-His-Face Buddy was in it, but uh, it's announced, the artists formerly known as The Elves are now known as two bad boys from way up north, (laughs) to which an audible (laughs) groan comes from Jerry's mouth.
0: (laughs) And they play a uh, dreadfully discordant punk song. I don't know if this is an actual song. It might be.
1: Don't think it is. I
0: mean, it's got the lyrics, Santa traded his reindeer for a chopper. Hmm. This might require a Google. No. It's a shame it's actually quite good in that case. Aside from the discordant um, guitar playing, it uh, was a perfectly adequate punk song. (laughs) Do you get the feeling they had to actually wreck it to make it horrible?
1: Probably. Either way... You're the the one who's into punk music. I'm not into punk music. Fair enough.
0: Either way, this causes uh, chaos and universal hatred of the song. Uh, People swoon, fall ill, vehicles crash.
1: An an actual punk rock girl turns into a kind of nerdy librarian-type girl because of how bad the song is, which is a pretty neat visual gag as well.
0: Uh, And they somehow through to the final anyway.
1: Uh, Yes, well, obviously. It's so he can rig the uh, results.
0: Hey, that wasn't obvious. It was pretty obvious. obvious. (laughs) Uh, Outside of the talent show, at the bus stop, a small child asks Buddy about his instrument, Uh, but Buddy is too depressed. The child gives him a lucky baseball glove.
1: Yeah, okay, so... This kid is, like, whining about how his mother wants always wants him to play piano, but his true passion is playing baseball, and he has this lucky glove that's really fucking old, right? And it's like, this is my lucky glove, and it's like, I'm really passionate about baseball. And then five minutes later, he just gives it to... to a fucking buddy. buddy.
0: And then says, I've got a new lucky glove coming.
1: Yeah, it's like answered, I, I I asked Santa, asked Santa for, a for one. New
0: lucky glove. And that's like surely a that defeats the
1: point of a lucky glove. But and then also he's, it's a
0: small child.
1: Well, yeah. But also conveniently, the bus that he gets on is a bus to the North Pole, and it's very interesting that there is a convenient bus <laughs> to the North Pole. It just goes there.
0: Buddy realizes that the best option for helping Santa at this point is to help Art and Richie win the contest.
1: Ah, uh, his gentle naivety coming back into play here.
0: So he offers Art his song. Yes. Art throws it away.
1: Yeah. throw it away. Um, it's God. This in this scene, um, Art and Richie are kind of loading in some new instruments from one of the kind of like U-Haul style vans, uh, which has the wonderful brand name of "Haul It Yourself."
0: <laughs> that's a great name.
1: So good.
0: I missed that one. Oh God, that's a good one. Um, It flies through the window of Holly's room. Holly reads it and decides that the world needs to hear it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And teams up with Buddy to uh, compete in the contest. Oh, uh,
1: just to fill in a gap here. Um, When Art threw the paper away, the wind caught it and it flew into Holly's room. And Buddy is walking along, dejectedly along the road and he overhears Holly through an open window into her room singing along to it and then he climbs up to the window and goes, "Oh, Holly!" And then it's like, "Buddy!" And then it's like, oh, Buddy Holly, I get it."
0: At which point, uh, I said, "Really? That's that's the first time you noticed this?"
1: Yes. So anyway, <sighs> so yeah, so Buddy Holly wants to go and sing this song to the crowds, so they go and see Uncle Jerry about it, so they can. Obviously, gets Buddy in on the act as well.
0: But they overhear him saying that the show is rigged, that it's been uh, set up so that uh, her, that his uh, niece has the worst competition possible mm-hmm. for this talent show. Yeah. Uh, to which
1: she angrily storms off to his room because obviously he doesn't believe in her, which is quite right in that regard. Um, um, so then the next spot is set, spent. Um, With Buddy and Jerry outside of Holly's room trying to convince her to come on stage. Yeah. Um, And we hear this wonderful line of self-reflection from Jerry, which is, exact quote, I'm slime, I'm scum, I'm a producer. And then he breaks down crying. (laughs) Again, a wonderful Um, (laughs) job.
0: Somebody has not had a good time in the Hollywood machine. uh, Specifically that year.
1: Yeah. Um, really taking all the jabs that producers on this one.
0: Art and Richie also overheard uh, this, um, this outburst and uh, decide to uh, improve their act. And so instead of their punk song, they choose to perform a 90s croon version of Jingle Bells.
1: Well, we say perform, he actually precious play on a tape player that's hidden away in his jacket behind yeah. his gigantic guitar
0: which gets stuck a few times yeah. in the way that a record player would
1: yeah that's not how tapes work but I mean everyone falls in love with th- that entire thing they don't notice the tape skipping somehow I don't know how that happens but they do their act some amazingly designed gigantic great big burly men just lift them on just pick them up off the ground, and then just carry them off the stage. And they get a perfect score. Yes, of course. All fives around. Three three judges, all fives. Fifteen points is apparently the perfect score.
0: Uh, Holly insists on having Buddy perform instead of her, and then Buddy insists that they perform together anyway, mm-hmm. uh, which for some reason gets Holly to finally come out of her dressing room and perform the song.
1: Well, no, because she was already out of her dressing well, yeah, scene. Yeah, I mean, Buddy, you should perform the song. To agree to perform the song. And then... And then it's like Joe pushes um no Holly pushes Buddy along to go and sing it, and then he's like oh wait no Holly you should sing it with me, and then Joe just pushes them both like come on get on the More fucking stage.
0: Fair. Uh and so they perform Jingle Bell Rock as a duet.
1: <laughs> yep, finally singing it with Holly added.
0: Score uh, a perfect score plus a half. Yeah, each five. They get, get five each, and a half uh, on each. Five and a half for and each judge.
1: Instantly win the cash prize before the song's over. They've already won it before the song's over, but um, you know
0: the performance is a massive success, and the resulting tour is enough not only to save Santa, but to financially bankroll Santa's workshop for years to come. Buddy is promoted, while Austin Richie demoted to reindeer duty, which uh, works out fine for Richie, to be honest, because we see him playing with uh, reindeer pups.
1: Mm. Um. Oh God! Right. Yeah. There's a mo- montage of. Um... The single version of the song going just absolutely wild and everything. We see this wonderful uh, glimpse of a headline from Rolling Stuff magazine, which is a great name. I love Rolling I mean, it's Stuff not, magazine. It's,
0: uh, it's not quite as good as um, the magazine from Gem and the Holograms, which is just Cool Junk magazine.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good, but... <laughs> Rolling, R- rolling stuff, stuff is is just like so wonderfully non-generic. So yeah, the so they get back to the North Pole, and we just see like everything's going by smoothly again. Yeah, toys being made in the factory. Santa buggers off. He delivers all the presents to everyone. We see. A nondescript black family Who were just there They aren't in the actual short They're just there at the end
0: They're just the convenient
1: the, Oh no wants- They're the family that was the uh, little kid really, oh, Who had the lucky kids- glove ah. Yeah Because then he opens up the box And he sees the exact same lucky glove And it was like Oh Merry Christmas it was From Santa And your pal Buddy L. Um
0: When did the glove even come into play?
1: It was just in that scene It didn't even come into play Anywhere Do
0: you reckon that Would have come into play in an earlier draft.
1: Possibly, possibly. Um, Oh, God. And then we also see, like, um, Holly and Jerry open up his presents, and Jerry gets a golden phone. Because earlier he was seen holding up uh, two phones on either side of his, like, head. And for some reason, that joke comes back as we see Buddy has been promoted to the head of music. And he's just sitting at the desk, smiling at the camera as he just slowly holds two phones <laughs> up to the camera. Because he's important in his now. In this fucking smirk. He's a producer. He... But it's like, what is what is the dual phone joke? I don't, I don't think I get that.
0: Um, I, I mean, it's.
1: Is that just another jab at producers looking dumb? Because
0: I think it's a status symbol. You have to remember, even one phone oh, at God, the time yeah, was true. a huge. Uh status symbol, so having the Dude, that guy them- has
1: du- dual rollers. Like, check him out. Yeah. Fucking... Right, so yeah. So, uh, all he- of that happens. Fade to black. And then the biggest fucking nuclear burn I've ever seen from a D cartoon happens. So, it fades back in. Uh, we're outside of the producer's office. And we're hearing him talk over the phone. The door opens as we reveal him. And... We just overhear this just one line of dialogue from Jerry, which is, What do you mean I take too much credit? That's what producers do. The camera immediately cuts to right outside of the door, and the door shuts and reveals the executive Executive producers. Executive
0: producer Andy Hayward.
1: Just straight there. (laughs) One, two, three, all three executive producers on the door.
0: He slam in multiple ways,
1: <laughs> and which just like, as soon as we saw that, we were just both like, "Oh Jesus!" Yeah. <laughs> just like we just had to pause and just take a moment to just take that in because that was just such a harsh, goddamn burn. <laughs> that was just so well, just the timing That's on it perfect. is perfect. Oh, it was gorgeous. Honestly, I think "Jingle Bell Rock" might be my favorite one on this entire DVD. It's good. Yeah. I didn't
0: expect anything from it.
1: <laughs> I expected just a really cheap, shitty cartoon and they just somehow managed to rope Milton Berle into it.
0: I mean, it is, but it's... Oh, yes, it's, but it's... It's a cheap, shitty cartoon It's that's... this cartoon that's posed
1: at kids, but in
0: reality is this totally
1: meant for adults cartoon that There's... is being incredibly bitter towards Hollywood.
0: There is a lot of Hollywood satire going on in here and just so many throwaway jokes that children... Uh, even children of the time would not understand in the least.
1: Not at all. It's <laughs> so good. It, I think it's got to be overall. Like, well, we've only got two things on the disc, so on the disc two ranking, that one's on the top. Mr. bumps on the bottom. Well, yeah. But I think overall, all five cartoons ranked. I think it's got to be number one, Jingle Bell Rock.
0: Uh huh.
1: Number two, Santa What a Mess. Yeah. Then Christmas blast. Yes. Number 4 Mr Bumpy. Number 5 Hollywood Hounds.
0: I mean I'm not sure I agree with um with the Bump in the Night and Hollywood Hounds. Are you sure? Well, on the one Are you hand,
1: right. Now look, listen. Now, on the
0: one hand Hollywood Hounds right, uh, No. Here let me give you let me let issues. me
1: give you my reasoning behind those two, right? Number 4 right, Bump in the Night Mr Bumpy, right? So, that was incredibly, overly long. It was boring. The jokes wasn't funny. None of the characters were likable, right? Okay. Okay. All in all, a successful, bad movie. It's basically Meet the Deedles again, as you said, but it wasn't quite as bad as Meet the Deedles, I don't think.
0: I'm not sure. I think I I I preferred Meet the Deedles.
1: I I don't know. I suppose suppose Meet the Deedles did have some funny jokes in it occasionally. There was
0: more to it. Yes,
1: there was a, a more substance to it, and it wasn't clearly a 20-minute thing stretched out to an hour. But all of those problems that are with Bumpin' the Night's Christmas special are mundane. They are just generic yeah. problems. There's nothing really wrong with it when you get down to it. They're just nitpicks.
0: It's not taking Meanwhile, Hollywood
1: Hounds is just so amazingly insensitive and just frankly downright inexcusable for a cartoon
0: yeah i can quite agree taking the imagery of these ethnic coded characters which are turned into stereotypes by the fact that you basically probably have a mostly white writing team yes it was so very very clearly white Um, writing team And then uh, having them basically be enslaved?
1: Yeah, there's far too many just horrific implications and
0: just just
1: awful, just ham-fisted handling on everything. I
0: understand your trepidation with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, there's just... I think you might be right. At the end of the day, there's nothing explicitly wrong with Bumpin' the Night's Christmas special. It's just boring. It's just a crap Christmas special. It's just slow and boring. That's all it has wrong with it. Yeah, Fair. Meanwhile, Hollywood Howards is far bigger fish. (laughs) Like, you're gonna need, you're gonna need like a really fucking big barbecue to fry this sucker. Like, yeah, no, it has to be at bottom place. There is no fucking way that that is better than Mr. Bumpy. It's fucking inexcusable for a cartoon. It just genuinely is.
0: Yeah, okay, fair. So that's the verdict. Yeah. Well, join us again next year.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, join us again in January, actually. Well, actually,
0: yes. um, Because
1: that's when we'll be coming back full-time to give you your usual show.
0: Well, first we'll be... Are we doing a retrospective? Just a quick... Oh, uh, yes,
1: we will. Sorry about that. Yeah, we will. Um, To (laughs) mark the start of season two, as it were.
0: Yeah, we're going to do a quick retrospective. um, See if we... We're too harsh on a few of them. Yeah, we're See gonna if just we kind shuffle of... them around a bit uh, Yeah, get a more definitive list.
1: So basically we're just gonna go through the list of the rankings, just one by one, just kind of review- reviewing re reviewing what we thought of each cartoon and if looking back on it now, if we were too harsh and it deserves a little bit of a higher spot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or a lower spot.
1: Indeed, indeed
0: um aside from that uh i guess we'll uh, see you immediately after a couple weeks after that
1: <laughs> yeah i'll see you in a few bits i guess um so yeah this has been a most cobalt's podcast thank you very much for listening if you enjoyed it give us a rating on itunes or something uh, tell your friends more than anything subscribe to us on itunes apple podcasts whatever you use to get your podcasts on subscribe to it from there if you're not already thank you very much um, visit us on Twitter at mostofcobolds or our website which has stuff on it, kind of com, and that is pretty much it <laughs> and
0: um, have a nice Christmas and if you're not having a Happy nice holidays. Christmas um, um, well, if you're not having a nice holiday season, have f- I hope we at least gave you a few moments of respite <laughs>
1: Yes, <laughs> I hope this was um, a, nice, a nice break as it were from any kind of horrible things that may be happening family time can be rough yeah. we understand that and we're very sorry that you have to deal with that but hey that's what we're here for to provide some nice comfy laughs and yeah all that kind of stuff
0: still chin up back into it <laughs>
1: <God>. <laughs> oh boy yep it'll be all over soon don't worry so yes thank you very much for listening in Tara. see ya